Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another True Potential Do More With Your Money podcast. This week, we're going to give you our analysis of current markets. We're going to talk about current volatility and what might be lying behind that. And we're also going to have a little look into the future, if we can, and talk about our expectations for what might be uh, around the corner. And we're going to do that with George, with uh, Kevin and Paul all in the studio today, morning and uh, afternoon and evening, gents, wherever you might be watching this. Um, I want to talk first about uh, inflation, uh, George, because this week we had the new inflation figure come out from the Bank of England. So maybe just recap if anybody missed that. What was that figure and uh, what does it all mean? Where are we left? So headline, which is the broadest measure, 6.6% on an annualised basis. Core inflation, 6.1%. So some of the lowest readings which we've seen for some time. If we think about that headline number, it came down from its peak to about 11.1%. So um, we're seeing inflation slow, which, um, you know, it's that, that's important in terms of how the central bank thinks about Inflation, they've got a 2% target. We've been above that for much of the the last two years. And the work in which they've been doing in terms of raising interest rates is crucial in terms of getting us towards that target. Some of the areas where you're still seeing upward pressure, wages, wage growth is still very strong here in the UK. Also services, still a lot of spend and demand for restaurants, hospitality areas of, of the market. But, you know, as a team, if we look at inflation data, some of the underlying components, we do see a case for disinflation, which is a slowdown in the rate of change to start to pick up here in, in the UK. Excellent. And uh, of course, Kevin, interest rates are intangibly linked with uh, uh, inflation. We had inflation the announcement this week, as George says. Where are we with interest rates and what do you see happening? So markets aren't really expecting further interest rate increases from the main central banks. The interest rate moves we're seeing currently are in longer dated yields. So on in the bond markets, on say a 10-year government bond, there has been a material rise in the yield and that's so that's been there's been a fall in the price. Mm-hmm. What's causing that? Well it's probably the oil market that moves in oil prices both as a result of OPEC extending their cuts in Output, and I know Paul's going to speak about that to some extent later on, mm. but more so now just the ongoing conflict in the world. Um, typically, oil appreciates on those type of concerns, and the, the, the bond market is reflecting that mostly through higher yields on longer dated maturity and longer maturity bonds, which is going to be a problem and a headwind for governments down the line because mm. most governments are running fiscal deficits, so they are borrowing to spend and they're borrowing at ever higher yields. So it's getting more expensive to fund the interest rate burden that governments face every every year. Mm. Uh, and, and Paul, bringing all this together then, what we've heard from George and Kevin there around inflation and, and interest rates and oil, I mean, what does all this mean for investors? Well, I, I suppose when we think about the portfolios, it's why we really have a very well diversified portfolio because mm. at the moment, the economic backdrop is uncertain mm-hmm. um, and it has been for some while. We're still not out of the woods on inflation. There's still some way to go, as, as George, George pointed out. I suppose the, the positives are that, I suppose within the fixed income market, we've seen bond yields repriced for quite some time now, but we're back to levels where bonds actually look quite attractive. And that's why we've start started to incrementally add to, to bonds um, and we see real value there, expecting stronger returns looking over the next 12, 24 months um, from that market. But it's important really to have that diversified portfolio mm. and have active managers to mm. 
identify the opportunities um, for stronger returns. Yeah, well, you, you hit on the important word there, which is opportunities, because within volatility, um, that's where you find the opportunities. Yeah. So tell us a bit about how you and the team go about that. What do you mean when you talk about advanced diversification for, for new clients? Maybe just explain a bit about what that means. How are you going about and finding those opportunities? Where do they lie? Yeah, in terms of opportunities where the Growth Line team have, have been allocating now probably for the last four or five months is in Japan. Mm-hmm. So probably an area that doesn't grab many of the headlines. Um, it's been a bit of an unloved area like the UK has. But when we look at the valuations start of the year, they were very attractive on a relative basis. Um and what we've seen economically is the Japan economy starting to gather some momentum. You've started to see um, individuals actually see wage growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the labour market remains tight. The economy is growing. People are earning more. Sentiment's improving and they're spending more. So that's firstly a real positive for the equity market. Mm-hmm. But then you've got other structural changes um, that's taken place where... A lot of companies have large amounts of cash on their balance sheets and policymakers in Japan are trying to change that and trying to get that cash out of the companies <laughs> and actually get it working. Mm-hmm. So they're going for initiatives where they're wanting companies to improve their returns on equities mm-hmm. and by doing so, companies are looking at buying back their own shares, actually paying out dividends, um, so a number of these factors are actually very supportive for the Japanese equity market, and it's actually been doing very, very well. Um, so that's an opportunity that we still have conviction in, uh, still have an overweight allocation. Um, and then when we're thinking about diversification, you know, we, we've talked briefly about the oil price. Some managers have real benefited from having diversifiers such as gold, and gold has been... Uh, challenge through through the course of this year, but if we look over the last month, we've seen some real strong price uh, appreciation. So you know that's why we emphasise diversification because we have uh, a broader opportunity set from TPP to true potential portfolios that George runs. Mm-hmm. You know, advanced diversification is investing in different managers with different styles. They're investing in uh, the multi-asset, investing globally uh, as well. So you get multiple layers of diversification, uh, and that's what uh, we're invested in here at True Potential. Good. Okay. Well explained. George, I'll come to you then, because Paul just talked around some of those fund manager partners. You, obviously, in the, in, as part of your job, have regular conversations with them. Yeah. What are you hearing? So taking a, taking a view globally, what we're seeing at this point in time is there's a lack of synchronization between where different regions are in terms of managing inflation and where that's meant interest rates are at this point in time. And for active managers, that can be your opportunity, but it can also be your challenge as well. So how do you get through this? Well, long term, we're seeing that economic growth and company profit growth in the United States is actually pretty robust. A number of managers, when we've been speaking to them, even the more cautious ones, have been surprised by just how resilient the United States is. And it's because you've got very strong employment conditions, you've got low levels of unemployment, you see in wage growth, which is actually outpacing inflation. You've got a mortgage market where the majority of mortgage holders actually refinanced on long-term deals at very low rates. So the higher interest rates is having 
not a material impact in terms of their spending capabilities. So we're seeing strong growth. We're seeing disinflation in the States. We've seen the peak and now we've got evidence that we have been and we are in a disinflationary trend, which is a slowdown in the rate of inflation. And we see some aspects which could ensure that that continues. And actually the 2% target, which they have in the United States, may be more achievable in the next year than where it is in other regions for the central banks, which in terms of the interest rate hiking cycle, which was a real challenge through 2022, mm-hmm. we've probably seen the last hike in the States. But given that they've got the stronger economic growth dynamics and they still do have inflation above that target, they can actually afford, to our view, to hold interest rates at a slightly higher level, so higher level for longer until they're sure that that inflation target is met. Mm -hmm. But if we look outside the US, we're seeing dynamics where we are seeing disinflation, but we're also seeing slightly weaker economic growth dynamics. Domestic UK market, also areas there such as Europe as well. So we are we're very aware aware of what that means. And for us, what that essentially means is Europe and the UK might be required to reduce interest rates before we see reductions in the United States. And we need to we need to be very careful in terms of how we think about that and what it means for for bonds. Equities Paul mentioned a few areas where we are seeing attraction. Japan is is one example. Also in the United States, as I've mentioned, we're seeing strong economic growth and strong profit fundamentals, which are underpinning that, that type of exposure. We prefer government bonds at this point in time over corporate bonds. So government bonds, because you're getting a very attractive yield, which you haven't seen for some time. And given that and the lower default risk, we don't necessarily believe that there's sufficient compensation to hold a corporate bond where you don't have that government-backed case to hold that type of allocation. But within bonds, Kevin mentioned supply of bonds. So there's many factors which can influence a bond's uh, return or its yield. It can be the interest rate expectations. It can be growth expectations, inflation expectations, also supply. So we're currently in a situation where to fund the amount of spend in which the, the US Treasury wants to, to spend through the coming year, they don't have enough tax receipts, so they're going to have to issue more bonds in order to do that. If you've got more bonds, more supply of anything, the price will come down and the yield will go up. Mm-hmm. So the long-dated area of bonds, the longer maturity bonds, is an area where we've been quite cautious of. So discussions from our managers, constructive on the growth outlook in terms of the United States, in terms of bond markets, bonds are attractive, but just moving away from those more sensitive areas to those supply dynamics. So we have a lot of discussions with the managers, but there's maybe a, a two-minute overview. I suppose it's quite interesting to compare and contrast the uh, sensitivity to interest rates you have within, say, the UK. If you think about mortgage mortgages that people take out, it's typically fixed for three to five years. In the US, it's 30 years. So you can put up interest rates all you like, but if you've got a 30-year fixed mortgage, you're not going to be that much impacted mm-hmm. by higher interest rates. Whereas in the UK, you know, three-year, five-year, much more sensitive. And that's what we're seeing. So managers are actually preferring to buy UK bonds, a little bit more downbeat on the UK economy relative to, mm-hmm. to the US economy. Yeah. But just, I mean, that's really interesting stuff. And just listening to George, like Kevin, particularly, there was, you know, a few, um, I thought, reasons to be positive in there. Some some, some in, in, interesting, um, you know, data coming through there and, and and looking looking quite positive. I mean, is that how you see it, looking ahead? Yes, I think the the most 
surprising and pleasing aspect, I think, of the global economy is that there has been very little appetite to reduce workforce. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there is evidence of slowing jobs growth in the UK, and we'll get an update next week on the severity of that. But um, we are only a little lower in employment here than we were prior to COVID. Mm-hmm. So that's that's fairly constructive. The US is remarkable. The US is monthly job growth there is around about two to three times what policymakers would like. It's a very hot jobs market and unemployment remains low. And, and there are there is credible evidence that underlying inflation pressures will return to somewhere close to 2% possibly next year, particularly in the US, but we should be reasonably confident in the Europe and the UK as well. The main challenge is these headline numbers which appear just at the mercy of oil markets or suppliers of um, basic resources, chemicals, materials, which obviously if they go up in price and that means food production goes up in price, it means the production of goods, uh, the price of that increases as well. So there is a lot to be constructive that's highly unusual for this part in the cycle. Um, And it is what is, for instance, keeping demand Mm. uh, and some components of inflation quite sticky. Mm. Just want to look ahead to about a month's time, actually, when the the autumn <coughs> statement, the budget, effectively um, is announced towards the end of November, and of course the backdrop to all of that will be um, levels of government borrowing, government mm-hmm. debt. And Jeremy yeah. was talking about this thing just last week around the cost of servicing that debt. I mean, to what to what extent do you think government debt is affecting <coughs> markets or, or or to our clients watching perhaps their investments, or is it is it not? And then just also looking ahead to the budget, what do you think might well be in that, or what? How do you think it'll be framed? So I think the Chancellor has set the set the ground for a fairly downbeat message on the, fis- the finances. Mm. Uh, one of the reasons for that is they are going to they have been surprised by growth. Growth has been stronger mm. um, than was expected this time last year. The Bank of England was expecting us to be in a fairly severe recession, and one of the components that they have been um, surprised by and will be surprised by is wage growth. So. Because interest rates are higher, um, that's just market interest interest rates are higher, and because of the stickiness of inflation, the UK's annual interest rate bill is going to go up. That is the amount of money we pay every year to service our debt, Mm -hmm. because the UK is unusual in having a very large proportion of its outstanding debt linked to inflation. So if inflation increases beyond expectations, then so too does our annual wage bill. And it's a huge number. It's £20 So that is... 1% 1% of GDP needs to be found next year um, to service the debt. Now, one of the, it's not necessarily positive for workforce, but because they've frozen tax thresholds and wage growth has accelerated, a number of people have been pushed into higher tax bands. So that should mean that the income side goes up as well. In terms of giveaways, I don't think there's much room for any fiscal cheer. If if um, if there is, then Jeremy Hunt's got a very good poker face because he's not giving anything away at this stage. So I suspect he might want to save that till next year. If yeah. Uh, is that how you say it as well? Is that your view? Yeah, I, I think so. I think a lot of these a lot of these points have been flagged to different different degrees, but certainly there's been a tone set, and you know, loosening purse strings at this point in time would be. Would be a challenge given the um, given given the, the current debt situation which we've got here, and the fact that the financing costs of that debt have just been just been raised quite dramatically in the in the course of 
12 to 18 months. Um, but no, anyway, that's, uh, that's been interesting. And, um, you know, hopefully for, for, for clients watching um, some useful analysis into just what's happening right now and what some of these topics and issues you might be hearing about on the news, what they re- what they mean in, 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 in your life and in, in your investments and um, some some thoughts from the gents there on perhaps what me what might be coming up over the next few weeks and what to watch out for. So I hope that was useful. Sure it was. Uh, as ever, if you want more, the best thing to do is to subscribe to this channel. You'll get more of these podcasts and our morning markets. Also have a chat with your advisor if you've got any questions or pick up the phone to us, send us a, a message through the app or through the client site and we're always here to answer those inquiries. So for now, thanks very much for watching. Thank you gents as well for your insight today and we'll see you next time. Bye for now.